0: we're gonna take it 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 gonna gonna to
1: to The Shit Show. Oh my God, I'm excited. Does it ever get
0: old hearing doctor in front of your name? My mom loves to say it. (laughs) (laughs) We are so excited because a dear friend of ours has agreed to come onto the podcast and answer questions about mental health, psychiatry, tell us a little bit about herself. We are so excited. And then we're going to do a live session with me and then she's going to
1: uh, take me into a padded room.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sure am, sure
1: am. (laughs) Yeah, we're super excited to have Marie. And I will just say she's definitely the funnest doctor I've ever come in contact with. I know. (laughs) I mean, just saying her name is so fun. Dr. Marie. Dr. (laughs) Marie. I love it.
0: So why don't you give us a quick recap who you are, what you do, what you just opened everything. Tell us about what who you are.
2: Yeah. So I'm Marie Hankins, Dr. Marie. Dr. Marie. <laughs> no, I'm actually a nurse practitioner with my doctorate um, in psychiatry. I have been a nurse for about 10 years and I just graduated. Well, I shouldn't say just graduated, <laughs> but I graduated a little bit over two years ago with my doctorate and started Doing outpatient psychiatry Before that I was doing inpatient Which was a whole nother world But um, yeah, so I started my own practice more recently Mindspa Psychiatry We do telemedicine And it's been pretty
1: awesome So why don't you talk to us about Like how your medical career started off So
2: I was a really bad kid in high school <laughs> <laughs> And my mom, she went to vocational school when she was in high school. She was like a pothead. And she's like, Marie, you need to go to vocational school. She told me that it would get me out of classes. I wouldn't be stuck in high school like all day. I would go to, and get out of classes mm-hmm. and like, you know, for half the day. And so she
0: you're like, like, sign me up.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, was like, I was like one of those kids where I hated high school. I just like wasn't interested. Everything was so boring. I just like could care less. So we ended up doing nursing um, vocational school and I ended up loving it. Wow. So I like found something that I actually liked. And like, I went from like a DC student to like straight A's. Wow. And then from there, I got right into, um, I kind of did it every step of the way. So I did community college. I got my RN, I got my bachelor's and then my master's and then doctorate. Um, but I was able to work, you know, right after my RN, yeah. I was able to work myself through school. Right. So, um, that's kind of where it started when it came with psych, I would say just like my experience with my crazy family members, (laughs) (laughs) it was like an easy choice for me. I I loved it.
1: So what exactly are you specializing in right now? And like, what are you offering through the, uh, mind spa psychiatry business?
2: So right now I do telemedicine outpatient in Florida, um, telemedicine is not for every type of patient. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of picky in a sense of who exactly I treat. Um, I treat more of a higher functioning patient, yeah, more of like younger, uh, more motivated patients, not yeah. a super high risk. So ADHD, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, not really so much schizophrenia or mm-hmm. active substance use or anything like that, just because I feel like office you know, is a little bit more appropriate for right. them. Right. But um, basically, medication management,
0: you know, is really what I'm doing. So what... Because I feel like telemedicine is super new. I think I just started hearing about it really during the pandemic when like people weren't necessarily going to doctor's offices. <sighs> so what exactly is telemedicine?
2: So funny you say that because literally, I remember two years ago before telemedicine was a thing and like you would Google something and tell them as come up and be like, this thing is fake. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm going to FaceTime my doctor. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Um, no. So, like, once COVID hit and everybody started working from home, it just kind of adapted. Um, we adapted. I just became a nurse practitioner when um, COVID hit. Yeah. So, I it's kind of really the only thing I know personally as a provider. Um, but basically, you know, we just need to be able to have a live two-way, you know, video and audio visit Um, during that time. We do everything. I think with psychiatry, it's a little bit different because we're able to do everything we would in office on the computer. Right. I think when it comes to, like, medical, PCP, or primary care providers, you need to actually take a blood pressure. You need to actually listen to a lung. Um, But with psychiatry, it's like – it makes it so much more comfortable for the patient to actually get help. Um, it's just, honestly, it's a game changer. Yeah, as long yeah. as you
1: can talk and have internet, you can have these conversations. Exactly. But it's a good point that you brought up that it has to be a fit on both sides of things because doing anything telemedicine or even outpatient in general, you have to be uh, very self-motivated or have a level of, you know, responsibility within yourself to follow what your doctor is saying Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're consistent to get to your appointments because it's way easier to, I think, to have less commitment to just hopping on your computer screen than like making an appointment and going in office, I feel like you see that a lot, probably, that people cancel appointments easier because they feel like it's not as. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think also, you know, it sounds like this quick, like, quick one-stop shop for medication. And it's really not like that yeah. either. Um, I take it very seriously, yeah. you know. So, when I see a patient that just, like, want their med and, like, move on, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> Calling me on out lunch ru- break. Yeah, they're out yeah. running around
0: and they're like, can you fill my meds or not? <laughs> right, you
2: know, like certain patients, I'm just like, you know, what? I don't think this is gonna work. If you're not mm. gonna be, if you're not gonna try, or you don't really care, and you just like, especially the patients that specifically ask for certain meds, I'm like, mm.
1: come on, yeah. If you, if you know the I think actual, actual I have a medical- guess of which one you're talking about,
2: <laughs> oh yeah, oh, uh,
0: Everybody wants Adderall God. If you know the medical term For your medication And you're asking for it And you know your dosage We're going to have a problem
2: I, I mean it's almost that I mean that's a whole Another conversation I mean it's almost like How every Like with the Oxycontin Back in the day Yeah You know people are asking By name What they want I think that's what makes me Uncomfortable as a provider um, As well as you know Being online Not being able to Necessarily drug test them In the office mm-hmm. Um they come in, they have – we're in a culture, especially because, like, it's all, like, almost like the patient is always right, right. Right. It's all about, like, patient satisfaction. And, you know, and we kind of get pressured into being like, all right, if we don't prescribe this medication, this patient's going to write us a bad review and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's definitely, like, a little bit uncomfortable, but we kind of have to build our thick yeah. skin and be like, no, you don't need this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You A bad know? review is not worth your life. So yeah. let's let's get to the root of the problem.
2: Yeah. But people definitely ask directly for that medication. <laughs> I mean, I'm like literally they'll write, I have, you know, my team pre-screen my patients before they um have their appointment with me. I don't want to waste their time. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it's something that I'm not comfortable with. But um when they're asking, like specifically, I want Adderall, like their chief complaint, I want Adderall. I'm like, <laughs> uh,
0: I have a big test coming up. I need Adderall.
2: (laughs) You know, if somebody needs it, that's a whole nother story. Right. You know, it's but it's more than just
0: wanting something. It's not a store. Right. You Mm -hmm. know. Right. And you're a doctor. (laughs) You're Dr. Murray. Um, And I think there's, you know, a lot of conversation now about mental health. When you hear mental health, what does that actually mean? I feel like, health,
2: like mental health now is just becoming health.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? I feel like it's more of going to an annual, like getting an annual for your labs or, you know, a routine, you know, visit. I feel like every single person should be getting a routine psychiatric visit. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, you know, are struggling in silence and might not even realize it mm-hmm. that, you know, coming in for a routine, like... I feel like that might solve a lot of these issues going on yeah, right yeah. now
0: too. Like I had been seeing I not seeing a psychiatrist, but like my therapist, I've been seeing her for years, and it was such an amazing experience to have that base so that when I went through like this crazy year of everything happening, I didn't necessarily spiral because like I wasn't then trying to find a therapist And then explain my story And then it's like Okay but I'm going through this But now I have to go through my childhood And it's like We're yeah. not, not going to touch That is a good point it. Like I mm-hmm. had that base already That like when Everything kind of started happening I could She knew everything That was happening already And I could talk to her And I feel like it made a huge difference I mean I don't know What it would have looked like Without it But I thank God every day That I had it Because That is
2: such a good point That yeah. you put it like that I yeah. feel like if everybody Had that baseline mm-hmm. Or like that Just even having the resource Right You know yeah. what I mean
0: Right. It's just like, you know, if you have cancer, you're not going to go to, you know, an herb, like, I guess people some go to herbalist, but like, you're not going to go, if you have a a problem or an issue, you're not going to go to, you know, somebody, if I have cancer, I'm not going to go to a therapist. Right. I'm going to go to my actual doctor and figure out what's the plan. So I think with mental health, like, like you said, it should be just regular health. And let me see my doctor once a month and if you need more like seeing an actual therapist and just having that base covered so when things happen especially now in this crazy world yeah you kind of you have that relationship built
1: already and that's a huge thing yeah it's so huge because It's so overwhelming for people to have an issue and like need to talk to somebody and they don't feel comfortable talking to their friends and family, which rightfully so that happens, you Mm -hmm. know, that, you know, things going on in our heads aren't for every single family member and friend that we have. And that's why it's important to have a professional. So to be in that crisis and not have the resource available to them, a lot of people, like you said, are suffering in silence because they don't know where to go with it. And it's like so overwhelming to even start that process.
2: It's like preventative medicine. Yeah. Like if you were Mm -hmm. like come routinely, you already know exactly, you know, what you're even predisposed to, too. Right. Yeah.
1: So what has it been like for you starting up your own business as a strong female?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because you pick like the best time to start a business in the middle of a (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) I know. It's crazy, right? And right before your wedding. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? You know what? It's been really – you know, I'm doing it with my fiance. He is, like, the business mind. Mm-hmm. He is, honestly, like, so supportive. Um, it's been really fun, honestly. I love, like, doing the merch and, like, designing the logos and, like, that stuff is, like, really fun. And I love mm-hmm. seeing patients. Yeah. What I don't love is like the legalities and like, you know, all of the paperwork that comes along with it, getting licensed in the state to be a healthcare, you know, clinic. And, you know, I mean, that's definitely a pain in the butt. I do realize why not everyone does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like I could have given up like a hundred times already. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's um, a lot of
1: liability on you.
2: It's a lot of lie. I think that's the biggest thing. It's yeah. a huge liability. But at the same time, I always want to practice my own way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And like, I like to kind of take my time with my patients. I like, I don't want an assembly line of patients. And yeah. a lot of the times because, you know, people need so much help right now that the It's overwhelming Mm -hmm. in these psychiatric offices. You can't get an appointment. They're seeing – the psychiatrists are seeing like 30 patients a day. It's crazy. It's like not quality care. Right. right? You know what I mean? So –
0: And I'm sure as a patient, you feel rushed too. Like especially if you're in a crisis mode and
1: then to walk into a room and be like, okay, what's wrong? Okay, All right, cool. Here you go. Next, Uh, yeah, it's it's nothing pisses me off more than waiting at the doctor's office for forty minutes for the doctor to see me for three minutes, Mm -hmm. and that's what happens. Yeah, and and feel like they don't care. Yeah,
0: all the
2: providers. We don't go in it for the money, you know. Right. We go in it for to really, really help people, and then we get put in this system where we're getting pressure from the top, Mm -hmm. you know, from the executives. pressure from society because there's just so many people that need help and then there's not a lot of providers right now actually there's like a shortage and just like the rest of america no one wants to work right now
1: amen it's
2: really hard it's a lot of pressure yeah
0: um so obviously you can't give names and you have to keep stories very generic but we want to know what is one of the craziest stories That you have As a medical professional hmm.
2: There's definitely a few I would say as like A nurse in the hospital Was Definitely The
0: Mind-blowing like, To me how many things Did you pull out of people's butts Like <laughs> I-
2: I actually was never really into, like, the squat and cough thing,
1: you know? You walked in and you're like, not me. You're like, not me. I think you paged the wrong nurse. Yeah,
2: so the hospital that I was working at was a Baker Act facility. So Florida, we have a Baker Act, which is basically like a 72-hour hold if um, you're either at risk of harming yourself or anybody else. Um, And basically, only certain facilities can be Baker Act facilities. So We would get them. We would never know what type of patient we were getting. When I first came down here and became a psych nurse in Florida, first of all, Florida is a whole nother country,
1: right? Florida man.
2: <laughs> Florida man. Okay. Every patient was a Florida man. Patient. <laughs> it was also like when Flocka was a big thing. Oh, so God. like, Oh, we had a patient one day that I was getting reports. So right when you get into the hospital, you clock in and then you go sit in the back and I was getting report and we had a, we called it the blue room, but that was the, you know, the padded room.
0: And where, where Maria's is taking me after we end this podcast.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there was a window from like the nurses station into the blue room. And there was a guy that was on flaca, and he kept banging. It was like six forty five in the morning. So I didn't even, like, finish my coffee, you know? <laughs> That's
0: very rude of yeah. him. <laughs> I know. Literally, can you please just wait? <laughs> I can just picture you, like, opening the door and be like, I haven't had my coffee. Hold on one second, and I'll get to you after my coffee. And then, like, Literally. slam the door. And him just Literally. be, like, standing there, like, yes, ma'am.
2: <laughs> it's like, so he started slamming on the window. Like, and it's, like, plexiglass, you yeah. know? It's very thick. It's almost like a jail glass. Um, and it's, like, literally two to three inches thick. And it's getting louder and louder. And already I'm like, I want to just go home. You know, I didn't even, like, start my <laughs> You haven't day. even finished clocked in yet. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, um, he did, we didn't even finish report. He broke that glass and had, like, this big piece of, like, shard <gasps> in his hand and was, like, climbing through the window into the nurse's station. And I, like, locked myself into, like, the med room. And we ended up giving him an injection to kind of, like, calm him down. But it was, like, really, really traumatic. But that happened, like, every day. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, it was like an – it was like we would leave work, like, me and the nurses. God bless nurses. That's why I went back to school because I honestly – I couldn't do it. It was so – it was, like, honestly, it was a lot. God bless every single nurse, honestly. It's a yeah. hard job, man.
0: And, like, oh, my God. I just God. picture, like, a scene from Zombieland of this guy just, like,
2: crawling through, like, this three-inch <laughs> glass. But like, the thing is, is, like, when they're on floca, you can give them injections. Like, basically, it's Benadryl, Ativan, which is a benzodiazepine, and, like, some type of antipsychotic. So, like, Halidol, Thorazine, or something like that. Um, when you give an injection of that, like, uh, you know, a... Normal person would be knocked out right like, yeah. I mean for days when you're on <laughs> flaca, it does not even touch you It's crazy It does not even touch you Is
1: like flaca still a thing.
2: I well, actually I don't work in the hospital, so I don't know I haven't
1: like heard not, that in yeah. forever. I feel like it's not as much of a thing anymore After that guy in Miami ate somebody's face It really like put out some bad PR He was on
0: It was was Bath Salts Bath Salts Flocka
1: Mm -hmm. Yes Bath Salts is Flocka Yeah Mm -hmm. So you have like casually brought this up before But since we're talking about crazy or interesting stories rather Tell me how you were delivering babies in Africa Wait, what? Uh,
2: (laughs) Africa (laughs) Yeah, I went to Tanzania Um, That was when I was getting my bachelor's I was already in RN And a bunch of um, nurses were going to Africa To like help with the hospitals and stuff So basically I was studying like pain management And I was like, oh my god, I want to go to Africa And like, you know, this is like let me see people that are really in pain yeah. with no resources, right? Yeah. So I worked with the pediatric burn victim unit. It was wow. so life-changing. And then I also got to deliver a baby. She had no pain meds, no epidural. She sang. And like basically like tapped on like her butt. Like, when she was actually delivering, it was almost like, I don't know, that was like... It's like oh, she gee. went into, like,
1: a meditative state yes. you know, like using v- body vibration. They literally were
2: up and walking, like, an hour later.
1: Oh, it I was just... Like, that just goes to show you, like, holistic stuff does work, you know, if you know the right things to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, their infection control was not the best. <laughs> They gave me a smock with like, I swear there was like blood on it. I was oh like, my okay. god, this is not good, but I came here for a reason. So I want the full
1: experience. Yes. You're <laughs> like, okay. I can't remember how this conversation came up. I think we were talking about Marie was like, when are you gonna have a baby? Oh my god, can I deliver it? <laughs> I did it once in Africa. <laughs>
0: Where he's gonna be like, you don't need anything. You don't no, need an epidural. Like and
2: nothing. I'll, tap <laughs> your
0: leg. Tap your leg. And Alyssa's <laughs> just gonna swing from the right, like, ah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is. That's actually really cool. Now, if you have any photos, I want to see them. I do. I would love I have to see some that photos. Yeah. Um. I feel like in your field, like either people are gonna be coming up to you and asking you for advice. Which, by the way the end of this podcast, we're giving everybody free advice because we ask for questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but when you look at like Britney Spears, right, and Amber Heard, which kind of just wrapped up, what do you th- Like what is your opinion right now On what Britney Spears is going through And all we have is like her videos Right so like this isn't like a real diagnosis But you can obviously see something Right yeah
2: I feel like with Britney Spears it's more of Like the medication I feel like she's On Mm -hmm. that is kind of like making her Like she looks like a zombie to me
0: That's what I'm it always looks like She's wearing the same mascara for the Last three weeks and it's just this like glaze in her eye. That I don't know if she's off the medication, on the medication. Honestly, she just reminds me of it's just weird because she
2: reminds me of somebody that I know who is bipolar. Mm-hmm. So like every time I see her, I like think of that person um being like heavily on lithium or something. I don't know. I, I can't pinpoint it because again, I don't know what she doesn't post. I feel like when you see the naked videos, like a part of that is low. Uh, inhibition um, Like you think She's just
1: being her Herself Like just no Or do you think She's so medicated She doesn't even realize Like what's appropriate And I what's not I think she realizes
2: it Because I feel like she just Doesn't give a shit Yeah Probably I mean I wouldn't <laughs>
1: <laughs> After everything She's been through Yeah But she looks medicated To me yes. I don't know I would agree with that. And we talk about it. I mean, we talk about Britney Spears way too much on this podcast. We're literally obsessed with her. Since she's been released from the conservatorship, we've been like rooting and hoping that eventually like the crazy look would diminish and like, you know, there'd be less dancing videos and there'd be less this and less that. But I mean, it's going strong. It's going real strong. <laughs> hey, though,
2: if that's what makes her happy being naked and dancing. And it's not hurting anybody.
1: I I'm just don't want it you. to hurt
0: her. What did you think of Amber Heard? So really, the
2: only thing I know about that trial is like basically my Snapchat (laughs) read up. So I haven't actually seen anything live. I've just only seen opinions. So it's hard for me to kind of base it off of that because I feel like I don't have like the full
0: understanding. Right. Like explain it to me. So Amber Heard... Was um, was getting sued by Johnny Depp actually It right. was Johnny Depp suing Amber Heard For defamation mm-hmm. because of this uh, Op-ed piece that she wrote And then she was going to sue him But she was basically Accusing him of domestic Violence right. and because of the drugs And the alcohol And really, this whole trial kind of comes out and you see that they're both very toxic for each other. Like, I wouldn't say that Johnny Depp is coming out here squeaky clean like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I think the problem is, is she was getting like Amber was straight up by um, by Johnny Depp's team. They brought in, um, you know, medical professionals and was was saying that she's literally diagnosed with
1: narcissism. She seems very cold. Like, I don't know. I could see her having borderline personality disorder I
2: saw that too So basically what I had Or based on what I have seen Like some of the little clips That yeah. I've seen like based on Instagram I meant not Instagram, uh, Snapchat mm-hmm. Her mannerisms are definitely odd
0: Yeah Well and she was like this very exaggerated Like crying but not one single tear The bruised kid and all this stuff And I I... It's just it was really interesting. I literally sat and watched. Did she admit to the bruise kit? She said it was a bruise kit, but she I think what she was trying to say is it was her cover up kit, and she called it like her bruise kit. And then people kind of like
1: ripped on her for that. Ripped
0: on her for that that she actually meant like a bru making a bruise instead of like oh this is my bruise kit, but to cover up my bruise.
1: Did she admit to shitting in his bed? No, she said it was the dog, but it was (laughs) but it's a toy but it's a toy Yorkie. Yeah, you can tell what's a human turd versus a Yorkie turd. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I, I'm, I'm very upset that nobody took a picture of this. So like th- that would be she took pictures of everything else. I think like when it
2: comes to this, it's I just hope that the media didn't r- like completely twist it and she isn't the victim. And mm-hmm.
0: you know- I watched the whole trial and she's not the victim. I think that they were both very bad for each other. Mm -hmm. Toxic. Very, very toxic. I don't think that he ever got physical with her. I think that they maybe had some kind of verbal, because there's a video of him like throwing cabinets around and he like grabs the phone uh, because she's like secretly recording him. But they had agreed all of the recordings that were in court. I don't know how healthy this is. They had agreed that anytime they had an argument, they would record the conversation so that they could listen to it later and see how they could grow from it. And none of them made her look good and none of them made him look good.
2: I feel like everybody is like, well, maybe not to that extent, but I feel like everybody's been in one of those type of relationships. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For me, thank God it happened when I was like, I think it was like my first boyfriend who was just like, honestly, he was so manipulative. Yeah. but I feel like once
1: you go in that once, I mean... You got to live and learn, you know, it's just a, it's a shame that it had to get so public and it had to go so far. And Devil's Advocate, she did a lot of really terrible things, but clearly she has a mental health condition. Yeah. She, and like that's not being like respected at all in this situation.
2: I feel like with her, though, if she if she does, again, she's not my patient. I don't really I haven't right. really followed the case too closely.
1: You're not Amber Turd's doctor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if she does, it's probably a personality disorder. And that's the hardest to treat, hardest to kind of detect in a sense, too. Mm-hmm. But you can't really treat it. It's like, you know, so it doesn't really get as much attention yeah. if it, Like versus like bipolar. Or, right. You know what I mean?
0: You it's know, so up. You like
2: It's yeah. like it's <laughs> childhood. <laughs> and, and people also yeah. throw
0: around like, you're such a narcissist or you're crazy. Or you throw around these terms so loosely that when it comes to like, okay, well, what does that actually mean to be diagnosed as a narcissist or diagnosed as bipolar or diagnosed as whatever? Mm-hmm. It kind of takes away from that because we're always like, eh, right. you're crazy. Okay. So that's enough about Amber Turd, right? <laughs> All done, done with that turd. Are yeah. we done? All right. So we posted a question box on our Instagram and asked for you guys to ask Dr. Marie some questions. Dr. Marie. And so um, let's we're going to dive right in. And any of you that we don't get to, on this episode, check back on our Instagram, and we are going to post answers to a lot of your questions, any that we don't get to tonight. Will you will you just go hop on our Instagram and, and answer those questions? Yeah. Um, okay. So we're also going to start off with, you guys asked us questions. This is not actual medical advice.
2: Yeah. We need to make that very clear. Disclaimer.
0: <laughs> Disclaimer. This is not medical advice. This is your opinion and just kind of what you're seeing um, in
1: your field, right? Yep. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, you, you start off. Oh, I well, thank you. Thanks. Hey. So the first question from our listeners is, what is the biggest mental health issue for young adults? And before you answer that, we love this, especially with the influx of school shootings that are going on in our country right now. So, yeah, Marie, what do you think is the biggest mental health issue for young adults right now?
2: So definitely depression. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. A lot of other mental illnesses don't really come out until a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, 20s, like for bipolar and schizophrenia is typically in like your 20s and stuff. So a lot of young adults, teenagers, depression, primarily, I would say. Um, I don't treat adolescents or children, Mm -hmm. um, but definitely depression is one of those big ones, especially like with everything going on right now. It must be it's very scary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well and I also feel between like COVID and they were kind of like socially Secluded then they come back And then there's kind of this influx With like these school shootings which is Like so sad it's a really Hard topic we were talking about it today and saying Like in
2: order to purchase Guns there definitely has to be some Changes Mm -hmm. with the gun laws We know that for a fact I'm not saying get rid of them At all you know I'm just saying it definitely Needs to be tighter for sure Yeah Uh, we were talking about Psyche evals for people Buying guns absolutely Um but then I was thinking That then it would just be The psychiatrist's Responsibility yeah. in terms right. of Legalities will be the ones pulled into Court
0: god forbid something Happens like what is it one session and then you're Good like right. I feel like, like some people evaluation. Could think yeah right like some people Can probably hide it for the first like Fake I'm it. Sure yeah you're not sitting down the first time and being like you Have this this and this like, it takes some time,
2: right? It does. We were talking about that today as well, too. Um, I, he's like, they'll just tell you whatever you want to hear, yep. you know? But you definitely get vibes. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, part of the psyche valve is asking them questions. The other part is what we're assessing, right? So body language, kind of just are they introverted? Are they, you know, you really do yeah. get, like, that clinical judgment. Yeah. Um, especially if you've been in the field for a while. I mean, but still, it would still slip through our fingers and it would become a provider's risk. Now it's a whole, you know, let's not just go after the person that, you know, did this mass shooting. Let's also pull in the person that cleared.
1: Them. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're going to get in trouble for clearing mm-hmm. somebody because they lied to you or they're really good at, you know, getting Getting past you with their issues. Right. Exactly.
2: I mean, it something has to change, though. It's yeah. getting just so bad and it's so
1: scary for these it's kids. It's so sad. It really is. I It almost makes me wonder because, like, it's only an issue in America. So then it, like, leads me to question, like, what is it about America? Like, is it just the pressure of being an American? Like, what is it? I
2: mean, we, we are seeing a trend with, like, the type of people that do commit these horrible... Um, mass shootings you know yeah. like they are They tend to be those introverted you know Kids that are bullied, bullied yeah. um, Loners in a
0: sense Listen I was bullied in school I felt like crap all the time Same. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean I guess I'm Different than somebody like I wasn't gonna like come Shoot up the school by any means but well, it's, it's like school Shootings also weren't so common when we were younger So now they see it on television you're like Oh that's a, like I can just do that
2: like, I um have My concealed and carry permit Um, moving to Florida, I come from like a family up north, you know, they're hunters and fishermen. So when I came down, I moved down without my family and my dad was like, you need to get a gun. (laughs) You know, I was like a single girl. Um, when I took that class, it was like, I was the only one asking questions. No one was paying attention. Everybody was on their phone. Um, it was like a joke to everybody. Yeah. So awful. And, like that to me was a little scary because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, no one is taking this seriously. So, you know, that's to carry. But even right. to buy a gun, there should be classes, gun safety, you know, some type of evaluation, whether it's a questionnaire or like something, yeah. something.
0: Right. Because you're going to feel like even in taking those classes, but the more layers that there are, like, why not have another safety net of like, OK, some like you're taking this class. You should know how to
1: work it properly. Yeah.
0: Because you also, I mean, how many there's? How many shootings are there by accident
1: too? Yeah, like
0: not even
1: not even school shootings, not even mm-hmm. this. Yeah,
0: I but having like safety. yeah that yep. and think about it, like you're sitting in a class and that person who is not paying attention or is not, you know, doesn't answer the questionnaire correctly or just seems a little off, and now you have just another person like something's not right.
2: Yeah, I mean, it should definitely be a little bit of a process at minimum. You know, I think, yeah. I mean, I think a questionnaire. Yeah. A really good questionnaire just to take it off of my back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then maybe if that questionnaire is a little off, then, then come see me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of of kids, do you feel like doctors are over-diagnosing or over-medicating ADHD?
2: So it's so interesting now. And I don't know if it's because... Can, media, can regular
0: doctors do that? Um. Or is it? Do you have to see think, a specialist? I think
2: they can do it, but more and more um, primary care providers, you know, recommend psychiatrists for these yeah. type of things now. Um, so basically, ADHD used to be a childhood, you know, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I don't know what came along across the line, but basically now it's being seen and diagnosed a lot more common in adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's because of like social media kind of pushing it, in a Mm -hmm. sense, or if it's just because the world is getting more crazy. We have so much more distractions. We have social media, so much electronics. People
1: are overstimulated.
2: Overstimulated. So it is really hard to concentrate. We Mm -hmm. have, even me, when I'm seeing a patient, I have two screens up plus my iPad to see them on one screen for documentation, one screen for looking at their past history all at the same time. Yep. It is a lot. Yeah. And I'm talking to them while I'm typing and sending medications while I'm typing. You know what I mean? So it's definitely, it is, we are overstimulated. So yeah. I don't know if it's because also we were probably, a lot of us have been undiagnosed as kids. Yeah. Because mental health wasn't as big of a thing then. Yeah, And then, now when you're hearing a lot of ads for, you know, there's a lot of ads for ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there'll probably be ads on your phone tonight because we're talking about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now that when people are seeing the ads, they're like, oh, I've been dealing with that my entire life. Yeah. And I don't want to like downplay and say that like, oh my God, everybody, because I know we were talking about Adderall before. Mm-hmm. There are tons of people that truly, truly have an ADHD disorder. Um, And that also, like a lot of people who have had behavioral problems as a kid and stuff, they were probably undiagnosed. Yep. Um, I know. I
0: look back at like my report cards and every single one of them says like talks too much, gets distracted, Mm -hmm. doesn't stay in her seat. I'm like, did nobody... (laughs) Figure this out Yeah Like I was constantly I never had a I think for all of my Fourth or fifth grade I was never allowed To have recess I had to sit on a bench Right And I Hated it
2: (laughs) (laughs) No but it's true I think that like We also just didn't go To the doctors Like we do
0: now Too Yeah I think it was just like Oh she's just a rambunctious kid
1: Yeah. Yeah It's so hard to tell Sometimes too It could just be The kid's brat Right. You know, yeah. and you really got to do the legwork to figure out like, OK, like, is this a behavioral condition or is it just the, the a personality issue with the kid? Like, yeah. who knows? I always say
2: in order for anything to be a diagnosis, it has to be a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So many people have inattention an and disorganization and, you know, not being able to concentrate, forgetful or whatever the case is. But when it's like significantly affecting your life.
0: It's terrible. That's
2: when it's considered a disorder. Um, with the ads that come up with ADHD too, they might just be like, Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe that's, you know, well, the they,
1: case. They choose like the top three most common ones that everybody identifies with. So you, right. you book an appointment.
2: But you <laughs> never it's very interesting though, because depression, there's also a lot of ads on depression. Of course, we're yep. trying to like decrease the stigma with that too. But you never have a patient come and see me and say, I heard about Prozac You know what I mean <laughs> I really want Prozac Can you prescribe me Prozac You know It's always You know It's just It's interesting
0: Yeah Those ads always get me Because it's the side effects That are always way longer Than the actual commercial And like You know There's families Like dancing in a field And it's like May cause anal you know, leakage Your
1: arm Your limbs <laughs> Your limbs may fall off. (laughs) Like, side effects are so terrible. Well, since we were talking about addictive behavior, the next listener's question actually covers that. Um, So great segue. How does one break the cycle of addiction besides the obvious physical breaking?
2: Interesting enough. So basically, my fiance is in recovery, and I kind of talked to him about this. And even since, like, when we started dating – He would always be like – he always said that addiction wasn't mental illness. Addiction was addiction and then mental illness was mental illness because I would hear him on the phone and he'd be pre-screening people for like the halfway house or whatever and he'd be like, do they have any psychiatric disorder? And it always like confused me because I was Mm -hmm. like – Of course they do. (laughs) Yeah. Addiction (laughs) is a mental disorder. And I guess – I don't know if it's a Florida thing, but it's very like separated down Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. It's either – Addiction, mental health, or both. Yeah. Um. But in a psychiatry aspect, I mean, addiction is mental health. So I feel like a lot of these patients aren't really following up with psychiatric providers yes. after they're done with detox. They go more to the halfway house. They s- do their meetings, their AANA, yeah. which is great.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I feel like we're missing something here.
1: I 100% agree with you. And it's like people just try to shove AA down your throat and like, yes, that's good. And especially for building a community and a a network and support. But at the same time, like you said, addiction is a mental illness. It's not as severe. So when you're talking about these screenings that they're doing, you know, what he's talking about is like, okay, do you have like a mood, thought or anxiety disorder aside from addiction that maybe I'm not equipped to handle at this facility or at this halfway house? Um, So you wind up separating it like substance use disorder only and mental health disorder. But really, substance use disorder is a mental health condition. Like drug and alcohol abuse is a symptom of your condition.
0: Well, and like there's like state programs that like you can't like for people who can't maybe afford or don't know where to go. But like you can get the like Vivitra shot and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Uh-huh. But to actually get that on your monthly basis, you have to go and sit with a therapist as well. Yep. And I'm like, why? I'm like, that's... That's exactly how it should be. And why isn't this more widely available or even known? Like I knew people were like, I didn't even know that existed. And it's like, I feel like, yeah, when you're going through that, it's kind of the mental health part of it has to be hand in hand. Cause like also a lot of these people have gone through trauma yeah, and have gone through things that like, now you're like, I am, I'm not in recovery. I just know from what people talk, but like, when you go through the 12 steps, you're bringing up a lot of things that happened. And so like, you're opening up wounds. There has to be something on top of that to like, okay, so now what are we going to do to care for those wounds that you just opened up? I always yeah. say
2: too, and I was um, thinking about this the other day. It's like, what about... Okay, they get sober, right? They go to detox and then they're kind of thrown into the, the wilds, of course, with sober support. Yeah, But now that they have clear sober thoughts... How is their sleep? That has to be scary. <laughs> How is their mood? They've been on drugs. They've been yep. on, say, it, it was heroin for 10 or, you know, not 10 years, five years. Yeah, With the chemical imbalance, what that does to your brain, your brain is not going to bounce back. Right. You know, you might need something for sleep. You might have depression. You might
0: have anxiety. You know, I think it's... You, you were using other things yeah. to mask that. And then now you don't have that anymore. And you're just left to like...
1: Figure it out. Yeah. I will tell you from personal and experience. experience your higher power, <laughs> you're very unhinged, and your emotions come back. It's like somebody knocked down a water dam. So, like as soon as you take that away, it all comes like rushing back in. I remember like crying. About nothing and like being Thoroughly freaked out as to Why I was crying and it was because like yeah. I was just holding shit in for so Long also fun fact I sneezed For about two months straight because when You do opiates you don't sneeze huh. <laughs> Are we serious I'm dead well, I'm when you dead detox, serious When you detox you sneeze Yeah, well, but it continues for a while Uh Like post-acute withdrawal symptoms I remember like being in a meeting speaking And I like kept sneezing I'm like, sorry guys, I got the opiate sneezes And like the whole room erupted in laughter Because they were like, I "I relate to that
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, it's very interesting Because I feel like All your pent-up sneezes I feel like, (laughs) too, a lot of kids that were We were just talking about ADHD A lot of kids that were like undiagnosed as children Were like those disruptive, you know Yeah oppositional be- like behavior disorder kids, not all of them. Some people just hang out with the wrong crowd or whatever. Yeah. But no one brings it back to that and say, like, all right, well, why did you start using drugs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You may have some – they just don't follow up. Yeah. Right. So many of my patients that I'm seeing now – I'll see him for the first time for a psych eval and they'll be like, "Yeah, I've been sober for 2 years." And I'm like, "Okay, like have you seen No, nope, never seen a psychiatrist. <laughs> never <laughs> seen a therapist." And then they're coming to me and they're like super severe with yeah. whatever symptom that they're having and I'm like, "Where is your follow-up care?" Right? Right. You know?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So what do you think are some tips for sticking to those healthy habits long-term?
2: So I will mm-hmm. always say consistency. However, depending on what the situation is, what the habit is that you're trying to break, sometimes it doesn't matter how much you try to do something, you might just need a professional. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. you just might need extra help. And whether or not that's medication or whatever the case is, like if you're constantly having anxiety, you're overthinking and everyone's telling you, you need to Take deep breaths. You need a journal. You need a jog. And you do that every day for three months. It might just be a chemical imbalance. And you just yeah. need something, to, an antidepressant or something. doesn't mean you're going to be on it forever. But that's a huge stigma. I think that people you. are like,
0: I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my oh, life. Yeah. But it's that's not necessarily the case every single time.
2: Yeah, You don't want to struggle if you're like feeling like you're trying everything you're reading self-help books it could be not so much environmental it could be chemical yeah genetics and you know so i think even if you don't know getting a professional to kind of guide you and give you the resources i feel like that's key Yeah. yeah of course we would all love to like change our habits and you know but it's just not always the case
1: yeah yeah I, mean, I want to, like, not eat bad food all the time and be a skinny mini, but, you same. know, like, it, it just happens. I've, I've given up on that dream a long time ago. Just invest
0: in some really good spanks. <laughs> exactly. That, that has helped my mental health. So do you think that we can, outside of medication and taking bubble baths, do you think that we can actually rewire our brains for less stress? Like is there is there actually a way to kind of reverse that thinking?
2: I think that also depends on the situation. Genetic makeup, Mm -hmm. chemical imbalance, environmental factors. I think mental health is not just like a one answer thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it really depends. I mean, we have some patients, for instance, who have severe depression, who've been on every single antidepressant under the sun, who, you know, we have alternative therapies now, TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. What that does is it literally stimulates your brain and like rewires – that weakened area in your brain that's associated with depression that is like you know an example of yeah you know but other than that i mean it's really we're growing every day with science um but it kind of just depends on the patient you know and exactly what it is you're trying to rewire Yeah. yeah
1: so marie what do you think about handling toxic family members how do we handle them I'm still trying to figure that out.
2: (laughs) Um, I mean, it depends on the level of toxicity. If it's somebody that, you know, even if they gave birth to you, but they are bringing constant stress into your life, you kind of have to determine whether or not it's worth your mental stability. Right. You know, of course, I mean, family is
0: family, but... But damn, the mental health matters, right? <laughs> well yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna have to make decisions that might not make everybody happy. Yeah. But if they're what's good for you or good for your like family unit, you just have to figure out how to set that boundary boundaries. If, yes. yes. This is the decision I'm making for my family, and I just need you to respect it.
2: I think every family has a little bit of toxicity, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know one person that doesn't. Um, for me, it's like my family just, they don't have boundaries. They literally (laughs) just show up at my house all the time. It's really hard because like when you have a fiance, they're used to just doing that in my life forever, you know? Right. And then when you have a fiance, Adam's always like, what the hell are they doing here again? You know, and they come (laughs) and they take my clothes and but it's still like a healthy family dynamic. Um, I think when it's alcohol involved or when it's like drugs and something like that, or when it's money and they're constantly like taking money or they're belittling you or abusive or something like that. I mean, it's that's going to be a harder boundary than someone stealing your clothes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I learned actually something in rehab and it was like when it came to setting boundaries or toxic family or friends, for that matter, if you are questioning it, Chances are it's probably toxic. And then you can do a quick test on yourself by just taking a quick break. Take a break from that person and see how it impacts your life. If it impacts your life in a positive way, you've gotten your diagnosis of toxic, toxic, figure out a way to cut them out. Or, you know, if you you feel like your life didn't improve, then like, you know, maybe the issue is with you or, you know, you can work on it together.
2: I feel like... You know, just because they're family doesn't mean you have to do everything in your power, you know, to be close with them if it's something that is causing distress.
0: Yeah. Well, and even what you said, like, step away and see what happens. Yeah. I've also tried, like, I'm going to be extremely honest with you. And I had to have that conversation of, hey, I'm doing something and I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm asking for your support. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then see how they react to that. And if it's, again, with more negativity, when you've, when you've already laid that boundary of I'm not asking for your opinion, I'm asking for your support and they can't give you that, then that's you try that. I'm going to walk away. hmm. And we'll see what happens. And if everything is better for both of us or even for just me because I'm gonna be selfish in this situation, then great. Yeah. I'm also gonna say I'm not a therapist. <laughs>
2: I'm really, really bad at therapy. So if it is something I probably like answered this question so wrong. <laughs> probably see a family therapist yeah.
0: say. <laughs> that, was, that was actually that was actually a question of like what's the difference between psychiatry and therapy and therapy or counseling or a psychologist
2: yeah so we focus more on medication management um the medical aspect of thing the things i should say um the signs and symptoms the, yeah. the when you take a medication are you having any side effects um, Tell me about your mood, your energy level, your, you know, we're treating the symptoms, not even necessarily the disorder. When it comes to counseling, they're talk therapy. Yeah. You know, Um, I'm more of, you know, tell me your symptoms. Let's kind of adjust some things, come up with a treatment plan that is going to assist with those sim- symptoms to get you stable.
0: Yeah, that's a that's really important. I think
2: the best is both.
1: Yeah. you need
0: both together really well speaking of that medical marijuana i think is a huge conversation mm-hmm. has has been especially with like becoming legal in a lot more states do you think that that's kind of now going more into more acceptable help or do you think it's just masking or can medical marijuana really help
2: so i have a few patients now that it's becoming more acceptable here i have a few patients that are on medical marijuana um a lot of the times when they're coming to see me, it's because there's something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have one patient that's like, I have the worst concentration ever and I have anxiety and I'm smoking marijuana and it's, you know, it's, it's helping with my anxiety. That is a perfect instance of it actually really not helping. Yeah. Um, because A, it's probably making you more anxious and you don't even realize it. Yeah. It's definitely affecting your memory. It's definitely going to make you lethargic. Mm -hmm. You're low motivation. So now we're mimicking depression symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that aspect, I would say it is mimicking or masking or causing other psychiatric symptoms. Now, if it's something that you have insomnia and you eat an edible before you go to bed and it works for you. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's great. We also have to consider is it. Going to interact with any of your medications um that you're on it it's it kind of just depends. I'm mm-hmm. not totally against it whatsoever mm-hmm. if it works for you, but if you're coming in and you're saying that you're having all of these symptoms, but you're smoking, yeah. you know, eight joints a day, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> I very, case
0: by case, yeah, if I was smoking eight joints a day, you remember that old like drug commercial where like the deflated girl was on the couch. <laughs> That would literally be me I, yeah, I could do nothing when I: yeah, smoked my I would water. say and neither could I I'm, I'm a sleeper. At what point would you classify anxiety as a disorder versus calling it nerves and just push through an uncomfortable situation?
2: So we talked about that a little bit before. in order for anything to be a disorder, it has to cause some si- like some sort of distress. Mm-hmm. So by the time a patient comes and sees me, a lot of the time it's because. It's bothersome. It's affecting their work or it's affecting their social or interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Um, so we base all of our diagnoses off of a book called the DSM-5. Um, that's basically our Bible for mm-hmm. psychiatry.
0: I feel like I've heard this in the Dep her trial.
2: Um, In all of the disorders, it gives you a list of criteria. And then at the bottom, it says in order essentially in order for it to be a disorder, it has to cause some type of distress in, you know, a certain area of your life. Um, So I will always kind of say a little bit of nerve is probably a good thing because Mm -hmm. it keeps you on your feet, Mm -hmm. keeps you motivated, keeps you going, keeps you organized. You know, um, when it becomes a problem is when... That little anxiety is big anxiety, and it's affecting you from being motivated. It's yeah. affecting you from getting your work done, and you know. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of when it becomes a problem is when it crosses that line over okay. to the excessiveness, you know, in a yeah. sense. It's
1: like debilitating.
2: Yeah, when mm-hmm. it becomes a problem, when it's affecting some sort of your life. Yeah, and it could be for,
0: you know, a, a good period of time, but is it? you know, like you said, debilitating, affecting everything. Like there's going to be something if there's a big move or a job change or something like that, I'm sure that's going to cause some kind of anxiety.
2: Yeah. And we call it general anxiety disorder, Um, meaning, you know, there's different types of anxiety. So there's panic disorders where like there's a specific trigger and that's like a known trigger. You know, when I walk down the street and I see a big yellow bus and it causes me to have a panic attack, that is my trigger. Then you have general anxiety where you're just constantly feeling keyed up. You're Mm -hmm. constantly feeling, you know, excessive worry. Um, Key to that
0: is excessive. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. I think that was really enlightening, though, and answered. I I was shocked at how many questions we got. I I was like super excited about it. We didn't get to all of them. So definitely check our Instagram. This episode is going to... um, it's yep. going to come out on June 10th. And we'll also post all of um, Marie's answers to
1: the questions we didn't get to. So thank you so much, Marie, for being on here with us. We really appreciate the conversation. and so much and fun. Yeah, absolutely. We did too. And we learned so much. Yeah. So where can people find you or reach out to you for help?
2: So we just started the practice, Mind Spa Psychiatry also as mind spa Telemedicine, um, We are under construction with the website. It should be up within... Actually, by the time this launches, it should be up. Okay. So this week coming <laughs> up, the website, it's www.MindSpaTelemed, T-E-L-E-M-E-D.com. Um, or you can follow us on Instagram at MindSpa underscore psych. Everyone always has a problem Spelling psych For some reason So I'm like That's why we kind of Say telemed now Because it's just So much easier Um, Or you can give us A call at 561-576-9404
0: We will post All of the information In our show notes And on social media Dr. Maray Dr. Maray I had so much fun Thank you guys Thank you And we're gonna um, End this podcast And we're gonna Start my session
1: Well, guys, that's all we have for this week. Please be sure to tune in every other Friday for a new episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Lower Your Voice Pod and head on over to LowerYourVoicePod.com to check out our new merch.
0: Make sure you're subscribing for notifications of new episodes. And don't forget to leave us a review. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. We're going to take it. Going to take it. Going to take it.